1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back. Today, Barry is with us again. Yay! Barry is here. Barry Lane. Barry, thank you for coming back. We love you so much. Hi. It's great to be here. Barry, before we start, I want everyone to listen to your music. I want everyone to see your work, hear your work. Barry has been with us since pretty much the beginning of our podcast. Yeah, Barry is a family friend. What did you say, man? What did you say? <laughs>
0: I said yet.
1: <laughs> what is that?
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: Hello, everybody. Oh, um, Barry is a family friend. And since we met, we met through...
2: Michael Jolly. Yeah.
1: We met through Michael Jolly. Remember, it's actually between you and Michael. You're one of the top most rated episodes on our podcast. You and Michael, we did a show with Michael called Breaking the Sound Barrier with Michael Jolly. And then Michael Jolly was like, you need to meet my friend, Barry. And it was love at first sight. So here we have Barry, of our family, Barry Lane. Barry, can you tell everyone how they can get a hold of you, like how they can find your work? Where do they go?
2: Oh, well, I have a website just called BarryLane.com. And I also have... Force Field for Good, which is the program that I'm most excited about, which is teaching the power of kindness to children and parents and anyone else, which is about learning that kindness is more than following rules, <laughs> but rather becoming a practicer of kindness each day and learning our higher selves.
1: You are incredible and inspiring and beautiful. What a magnificent force of light you are, Barry so grateful. So grateful that we have the privilege of knowing you and your beautiful music. Our youngest was gifted your guitar and and they've been playing music and learning the guitar. Again, you, wherever you go, Barry, you provide so much love and kindness and compassion. You make the world better. And that's that's what the whole message is all about, is the art of friendship. It is Barry is it. Barry is it. Yeah. Look at Barry, and it uh, reminds me. I don't me... know if anybody
2: thinks they're making the world worse. I, I think even people that are making the world worse think they're making it better. So true. But I hope I'm making it better. Wow. Well, <laughs> and I, I uh. I can I say think, for sure I you know are. That, uh, yeah.
0: And and honestly, it feels something. it feels like today we have so few people to look up to that we can just say this person's just a good
1: person. Right. So here's the message that I got this morning. I've been lately I've been feeling like a not good person. I was telling you this yesterday, yes, man. Sure. I was like, "Wow, you know, I don't think my my kindness bubble is still here. I don't feel very kind anymore the way I used to be. I have less patience. I don't know what's wrong with me, and yet we're in an area where You always heard that people were gruff and mean and didn't want to talk to you, didn't want to help you. (laughs) And it's quite the opposite, actually. Yet I'm finding myself to be in a hurry and I feel gruff. I may not appear that way on the outside, but inside I'm feeling annoyed. I'm like, oh, please hurry up. Like, you know, like, I don't know. It's not kind. And I don't know where it's coming from. And I think that we are human that we are supernatural beings. I think we all go through ebbs and flows, flows and ebbs,
0: ebbs and flows. Yes. Ebbs and
1: flows, and you're bound to feel one thing, and then bound to feel something else. Right. Again, and you're feeling everything, and I think that's part of the magic of being alive is we're feeling everything. And I'm and I'm just remembering about. I think we need to go back to the first year, year and a half of our podcast, how we would have examples from the mentor, Santa Monica. Remember the friendship nuggets that we would talk about? Yes. So, Santa Monica was my mentor. The catalyst behind this whole thing that we started really came from the messages I got from Santa Monica, my mentor, which is actually the city, the city of Santa Monica. I only wanted to be there three months. I'm from that area. I always tried to escape LA and somehow like a big magnet, it would suck me back or like pull me back against my will. And finally the last time, and I would move away. I'm like, I'm done. Bye. I would move away and I would uh, totally, it felt like against my will be taken back there. And the last time I said, I don't know what you want from me. But I give up (laughs) and I'm going to give it three months and I'm out of here. Three months turned into 14 years. I talk about this on the first episode we ever, ever, ever did. It's just me talking to say what this podcast is really about. And so during the 14 years, once we finally moved, all the voices came back, all the lessons came back. And I realized, oh, my goodness, it was like I had an internship on friendship, on what community truly means And then I started to really, really miss even more Santa Monica. I missed the village. You know, I missed, I missed that. And I was seeing that it wasn't around. And I realized that it was not just moving, that it it was a shift in the way we as people in the world are feeling. That people all of a sudden have no connection. We don't have that village. We don't have that friendship like we've lost the art of friendship right but meeting barry meeting our beautiful barry lane we know that santa monica exists everywhere and as i remember when things were rough we had some rough days in santa monica there was always a message that would come up and it would come up with different characters or the characters could be like the dolphin you would see or mostly the people in the neighborhood would provide you some great wisdom. It didn't matter how old they were. We were all different ages. We were all from different backgrounds. We all provided each other with a a sense of safety within our friendship. And every day something would happen that was a lesson. And so we used to have nuggets of wisdom. And one of them that came to my mind after I was talking to Barry a few weeks ago, Mm -hmm. a, a few days ago, I'm sorry, was I was on an airplane leaving L.A. to go on a small trip, and the airplane started to have major turbulence. And I was freaking out, man. I don't... I used to love to fly. And then something (laughs) happened from one of my photo shoots when I was flying back. Mm -hmm. I was flying out of Ethiopia, and there was this woman from one of the tribes that I photographed. I'm like, what are you doing here? How did you get on the plane? And she was... And it was a woman that I actually didn't meet, but I knew the tribe she was from. Mm -hmm. We're talking way out, way out, away from a city, hundreds and hundreds of miles away from a city. And she was there with her gourd, with her tribal dress. And as the plane was taking off, she grabbed my hand and then I grabbed her hand. She was scared. I swear to you, I think we transferred feeling. (laughs) <laughs> because since that moment I've been terrified of flying. Interesting. And she felt like, hey, this is fun. You know, like we switched. Right? We And it was so bad that I had to have for several flights after that, the the people who work on the plane, they had to console me every time and tell me how safe it is to fly, how it's safer <laughs> than driving. Like I needed help every time. <laughs> so anyway, this one day we were flying and there was major turbulence. And I swear, I think I was sitting next to an air marshal. Oh, dear. Who? who I tried talking to him, but he wouldn't talk to me.
0: He was too busy casing the
1: joint? Well, he, he had a vibe on him. <laughs> he was super cute, by the way. Super. Hey, hey, hey. Super,
0: I'm <laughs> right here. He was
1: super fit. And the turbulence was happening. He had a cup of coffee in his hand. Mm-hmm. And the whole time, I mean, it was major turbulence. The whole time, he—it was like watching *Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon*. The way you know, oh,
0: right, with the tea,
1: with the tea, how she she, (laughs) right, right, she
0: just picked it up as it was falling to the ground. It was
1: like that, and he was just holding the cup of coffee and making you know, he he would he was barely trying, but he he was just doing it naturally. The coffee wouldn't spill. He was just. Sipping coffee.
0: Man likes his coffee.
1: But another thing he had in his hand was this book called Zen in the Martial Arts. So he
0: was holding a book in one hand, his coffee in the other Well, hand. it
1: was it was nearby. And occasionally he would pick it up. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And so I would try to talk to him and he would not have it. He would not talk to me. He would just say yes or no answers. And then I think I asked him, are you an air marshal? And he's totally stopped talking to me. So anyway... <laughs> So, but, but that was a good lesson because in the midst of being in this turbulence, I watched his movements. I watched him enjoy his coffee. I watched him be calm. I watched him be confident and okay. At every moment in the midst of the storm, you know, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. It's probably one of the best martial arts lessons I've ever had. But anyway, here's the message that came to me today. It says, this is a time when it's extra important to stay optimistic and filled with faith. Enjoy and appreciate the small successes and recognize that that adds up to big ones. So the successes, the small Mm -hmm. ones, they add up to the big ones. The more you stay centered in gratitude, the more positive opportunities will come your way. But most importantly, this is a time when it's extra important to stay optimistic. And so I was on the phone with Barry and I asked Barry how he was doing. Thank God you're healthy, Barry. We're so glad you're yeah. healthy. And um, thank you. I'm so glad you're here. And so anyway, we started talking and he asked how I was. I'm like... I don't know. I'm really panicked about everything, about money. I'm stressing out all the time.
0: Well, I think that's part of the kind of human condition right now. Everybody keeps talking about food prices spiking and house housing loan prices going up and etc.
1: It's a big deal There's, for me to buy a head of lettuce. Mm-hmm. It's five dollars for a tiny thing of lettuce.
0: Well and you brought home that quote unquote half gallon of, of milk almond milk They had <laughs> shrunk it from 64 ounces to 52 ounces because that's the other thing you do that These are the games you play when you try and you know convince people and I could tell our bread, I swear it's more air than, than flour.
1: We stopped buying bread, so now we're making it bread every lighter. day. It got
0: lighter, physically
1: lighter. <laughs> and, you know, and they took out some slices. Anyway, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> this is a time when it's extra important to stay optimistic. <laughs> what did I just say? Anyway, so Barry, Barry has all the goods. Barry has all the wisdom.
0: Yes, he
1: does. Because <laughs> we're freaking out. We're, huh? I mean, with the house, with everything, we're freaking out. Hi, Barry. Hi.
2: Hi. Hi. Well, um, I'm thinking. Um, there's a lot of things that you said that just triggered all kinds of things in me. But uh, I know that I, I did have a heart attack on Marcase and after that, I've I think I don't know if I became awakened, but if I if I were Eckhart Tolle, I would say it was my moment of understanding something for a minute or two, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, I have some stuff to share about that. And I also, because uh, I, I spent a lot of my life worried about money and anxious, and I still can get there. It was, it's really easy to get panicked about those feelings and stuff. But it's really all fear of death in the end. I think Freud had a couple of things right. and I think that was one of them. that When you're afraid about money, you're literally afraid about death. But you don't know it. You think it's when my wallet's empty, I'm gone. It's like a video game. Game over.
1: (laughs) That's so true.
2: Yeah, yeah. And you need more. Elon Musk, he is a great spiel he does about money. Money doesn't really exist. It's all about exchanging goods for services. And it's basically like a video game. You just got to get more, load up more coins.
1: We need more (laughs) tokens.
2: So you can keep finding being Tomb Raider or whatever it is you're doing. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, But uh, Tomb Raider, that's, that's ironic, I guess, if we're talking about death. But uh, that would be a good title, you know, uh, something about Tomb Raider <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> it
1: scares me. I don't like it.
2: Right. <laughs> I'm like,
1: they, everyone else is into I the think, games yeah. but me. I don't like anything with death, raiding, war. I don't like video games.
3: I can't.
2: Yeah. But getting back to, like, uh, Eckhart Tolle, whose book, The Power of Now, is probably probably one of the best books you could ever buy to learn about how to live. Uh,
1: it's on our so shelf he, right now. I'm staring at it.
2: Yeah. But simply <laughs> because you can read it ten times, and each time it feels like, oh, that's interesting, new, because you get different things from it. But one of the things he says is the secret of life is to die before you die, you know? and uh and that's what I got. Uh and I don't wish everyone to have a heart attack, but I would say that there's a great wisdom in uh, in that that you kind of, you know, they talk about you have a life review when you die. And I think that's kind of like uh if you can get that early in life. I had a friend who was actually a teacher of my professor Gary Lindbergh at University of New Hampshire. Brilliant brilliant guy. Uh he died of Hodgkin's disease. He was uh, just a, had a remarkable memorial service where they read from his journal. And one of the things he said in his journal is, if only I could have had, he talked about just sitting down to dinner with his son and wife and, and, and just feeling this incredible bliss and sense of, of joy just to have this one little time with them. And and, he, and in his journal, he wrote, if only I could have had this earlier, you know, if only if I could have had this earlier. And I don't think he was regretful of it. He was just more celebrating what it is and trying to tell people or himself what gratitude really is. Gratitude's just, like, amazing. It's like, it, it's about being in the moment. Let's say somebody owns a stock, let's say, and the stock goes up. And they're happy in that moment. Then the stock goes way down. And they're sad that moment. <laughs> but they're basically still sitting in a chair looking at a screen. <laughs> there's no moment. Right. You know, there's no moment. There's no you know, and it's like you go into the supermarket and the lettuce is up. And the lettuce is here, it's like six ninety nine if you wanna buy a, a a scrawny head of California grown organic lettuce is probably grown next to the f- the freeway you know right <clears throat> you know you know and uh 6.99 or ninety nine, but it's the same head of lettuce it was 4.99 or 3.99 you go oh ah yeah it's like you're staring at a screen you're staring at a head of lettuce you're staring at the past the future but you're not living in the moment and and uh you know, Eckhart Tolle talks about feelings being feedback loops. It's not when you feel something it's not real. It's a feedback loop from the past oftentimes, or it's something so oh the lettuce the lettuce could maybe every time you go to see lettuce now you get panicked because you don't know what it's gonna be, <laughs> and, and so you're feeding off the the fact that it was eight ninety nine ahead last week or or That's you know. So true. And,
1: Barry, that's so true. That's so true. Every Put time them. I walk, I see the lettuce first because it's right there at the entrance. <laughs> <laughs> the organic, the scrony organic had nice. kind of lettuce. And yours yeah. is like $3 more than ours, I guess. Yeah. That's crazy. And I get and so mad.
2: Food, <laughs> and if you go to Whole Foods, they have them like stacked in towers. So it's like Tower of Terror. Yeah. The Tower of that's true. Lettuce Terror. You know, and it's like uh it's uh and all that is uh, you know, the reason they keep food prices low is, is people riot when the food prices get really high. I mean they get really get panicky I and mean, they right. things happen. I remember when nine eleven happened, I was in Evansville, Indiana and the gas prices went from a dollar ninety nine to four fifty instantly. You know, it's like nothing happened. The gas didn't get Better in the tank underground. <laughs> the crowd. right? but the panic, all the stock traders and everybody else, the whole system is built on panic. So if you're feeling it, you're feeling it, you know, you're feeling what's coming down from Wall Street. But beyond that, going back to the plane analogy, when you talked about the Ethiopian woman on the plane... It it struck in me this great memory I had years ago. There's a philosopher called Emil Durkheim. He wrote, I think, in the late 19th century, early 20th century. But he talked about how capitalism atomizes people, turns them into little atoms that can't connect with each other. They're just kind of separated by their own little pursuits for their own private lives and trying to create their own little, I don't know, nest and competing against all the other nests and how it makes people suicidal it's actually the essay he wrote was about suicide and that lack of community and uh, so my experience on a plane I'll tell you this one I forget what airline it was it was probably like U.S. Airways when they still existed years back and, but sitting on a tarmac for like about an hour I was like late in the day and go out wheeled out to the tarmac it was like an hour flight and we sat there for an hour and a half on the tarmac so you got to imagine all these people sitting in the plane and they're all little atoms and nobody's connected Mm -hmm. at all they're just sitting there waiting to get home looking at their watch thinking christ this is like an hour flight and i'm sitting here for an hour and a half and am i going to miss my connection and no 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 and it, we just sat and sat and sat and eventually, sometimes it takes over an hour, people start to turn to each other and say, hey, wait a minute, hey, you're, you're the atom sitting across from me. I saw you in the airport, you had a hot dog. And eventually, the plane didn't take off at all. They wheeled us back to the thing and they booked a hotel for everybody the same hotel for everybody and and by the time we got to the hotel people had started talking to each other we met in the lobby people had a little part it was a party at that point and it was a sense of joy and gratitude and connection and all of a sudden you know we were out of our atomized world and into a community and suddenly it wasn't so bad you know and the- if everybody got together in Whole Foods and stood around the lettuce going, do you believe the price of this lettuce? My gosh, you know. Uh, or or did it, even just being able to share despair and fear, it helps. But also there's a sense of something I was thinking of. Um, and here's another great example. I was <laughs> This is the classic, the late, last plane. I always get on the last plane to come home because course you're trying to get out of somewhere in the west to the east so it's oftentimes the last plane is late because any schedule delays during the day get built up over time so the last plane gets into burlington vermont and everyone's waiting for the last luggage because the last plane got in late Mm -hmm. all the other luggage guys went home this one guy back there slinging the luggage around and so we're all waiting 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 another hour for the luggage and Finally, one piece of luggage goes. This woman goes and grabs it. She starts rolling away. and Then she turns back and says, bye, everybody. <laughs> 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 and at that moment, people looked at each other and went, wait a minute. It took that long for them to say, we're everybody. You know, it, it felt good. That woman created community with those words. Bye, so those true. Those two words. Yeah. Right. Um, that, that's why yeah, I'm always and, and, talking. Uh,
1: yeah, we are everybody. We are everybody. Right. We're, we're one body. Like, we are. Yeah, that's amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so, if you're feeling panicked, that's good for the economy.
1: <laughs> Why?
2: Uh, but it's bad for you. Uh, Why is it people, good for the
1: economy to feel panicked?
2: Uh, it means you believe in it. You believe in the lettuce. Oh, wow. You believe in the fear.
1: Uh, oh, wow. Oh,
2: wow.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, wow. A few years ago, a friend said to me, don't buy into the panic fund because they want you to be in fear because it makes you buy more. So don't get scared. They want the people to get scared. When people get scared, they start shopping. They start buying Mm -hmm. things to feel safe. And if you look at every commercial, it brings in fear, uncertainty and doubt for every item that they're selling for you to go, I need to get this right away. Rare is a commercial that makes you just feel happy. Wouldn't it be nice if it was just pure happiness? You're like, I want to buy that because it makes me happy. (laughs) But no, it's fear, uncertainty, doubt. You need to do this to survive.
0: Right. Right. So
1: everybody's in survival mode. Yes.
0: And it's about you have to learn this so you can better compete. There's such a... Sometimes it's an artificial scarcity and scarcity of knowledge. You know, you're going to be, you're going to be replaced if you don't learn these seven new technologies. But yeah, yeah, they definitely try they and who is the they, which is the fun part. But, you know, it's, it's like keep them on the treadmill, keep them focused on just these really short term goals and short term feelings and short term everything. And, you know,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And why?
2: That... Yeah. Oh, the other thing I've learned about growing older is, when I was a little kid, I was lucky. I grew up in a childhood before anything, before computers, before cell phones, of course, or before uh, you know. I remember buying a a kit where you could put an alligator clip on a, a wire and get a radio station with a little headphone you would put in your ear. <laughs> you'd make your own radio, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, but uh, we, all summer long, it was all just, just uh, finding people in the neighborhood, other kids, and we, we had free range. You know, I'd get my bicycle, take off, go downtown, you know, which I was 10 years old, I'd drive downtown. And the world was actually just as dangerous then right. as it is now. It really was. We didn't have 24 7 news telling about every kid that got abducted. I mean, I met many child abductors and I probably could have been abducted. We used to go down the railroad tracks and meet you know, very crazy, pervert guys and, um, you know, just all kinds of terrible things. And and yet, it was for us, it was like, hey, cool, that guy's uh, crazy. Right. <laughs> it mm-hmm. was like, we, we didn't know any better, I guess. But but the reality is not knowing created less stress. What I was trying to say is that, that sense of just, hey, what are we going to do today? Finding a friend and not planning everything. I, I'm still a popper inner. people People are very annoyed by me, I think, in my town because I'll just pop in whenever I want to their house and say, hey, how you did? And it's <laughs> like, wait a minute. I love that. you talked? Have you talked to my secretary? I think you're supposed to be here till next Tuesday. I know. I'm afraid to
1: call people anymore. I remember losing a friend because I called her and she was so angry because I called instead of texting. I never talked to her again. Oh, Lord. Remember that? Yes. Oh, Barry, I wish you were right next door to us because that's my dream. Popovers.
0: Yeah, we still have <laughs> to invite people. Yeah, we still have to invite
1: people. Yeah, it, it and has, get them to come. Yeah, and you have to give them a three-hour minimum notice or four-hour minimum notice. Yeah, I'm like,
2: really? Just well, can't you just come well, over? There's something about that, your presence. Yeah. So it's sort of like if you go to a, a store and somebody's on the phone and you're standing there waiting while they keep taking phone calls, and you're the person who actually got there. And standing there, uh, that you're seen as the same or even less sometimes <laughs> as the person who phoned literally phoned it in.
0: Right.
3: <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of a reestablishment of those bonds. I think, luckily, COVID has, I think, made people aware of it. Oh, we're so lucky. I have a friend, Archie, and a friend, Sam, and other friends. We call them the buds and suds uh, on the lake here. And, we just started getting together. It evolved slowly, but now it's become a r- ritual. And we just assemble. Uh, you don't have to drink beer, but the beer part's just for kid- people who like beer and that stuff. <laughs> but we just assemble and uh, sometimes go to some each other's house or sit by a fire and and just talk. And it's mm-hmm. like guys talking. And the women got so jealous, they started the ladies' luncheon. Where, where the women started doing <laughs> stuff. But I was talking to my friend Archie the other day, and he was saying, I would saying, have you ever experienced anything this where you lived before? Because you lived down in Massachusetts before, and he works, he's a techie guy, too. He works for uh, this big company in Cambridge, and, uh, and, uh, uh, and he said, no, and we had friends from the church and stuff like that. And we were, you know, friends, but when you're friends from a church or something, it's oftentimes... You're you're not quite sure if we're there because of your shared bond in the religion, or whether they're just for each other, just because you want to be. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said, no, I haven't experienced this since I was like eight years old in the neighborhood in the summer, where we just say, hey, what's he doing? There? And I walk around. You know, they have there's a TED talk this woman gives. She talks about the they study the people in the Mediterranean who live to 150, and uh, the single indicator of a long life, it, and it, the things that, it, it, even if you smoke cigarettes, some of those people do smoke cigarettes, the indicator for the longest life, are people that have uh, what they call social integration, where, where they actually meet somebody every day, say, hi, how are you doing, and shoot the shit for a little bit, and sort of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I remember going to Br- Brindisi Italy, when I was like 19 on a URL pass, and say, Why are these guys just standing around? (laughs) And they literally stand around drinking coffee, not getting exercise, Mm -hmm. but living to 150, you know, and maybe they don't eat Twinkies, but, you know, but (laughs) uh, uh, short of that, uh, it's that joy of just social connection and the gratefulness of just that cup of coffee when you're sharing it with somebody is so power palpably powerful and human and right. we call social media social media, but it's really more like anti social media because it can atomize people even more because then it becomes, oh look, uh Fawn got ahead of lettuce for four ninety nine and I'm paying eight ninety nine. What's going on? <laughs> or people will post things about their life, aren't I? special aren't my children special and you know and and there's nothing wrong with that i understand they do it out of a sense of joy maybe in in themselves and wanting to share but other people can feel like oh i guess i'm not so special and i'm not and it just becomes this feedback loop of atomization where you think oh my little life and and that's where suicide that's why depression anxiety suicide rates come so the first step might be getting rid of all social media for a while, or just which I can't even imagine. Like, I mean, I could do it. It's, uh, they used to talk about doing a fast from it, you know, to understand mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah, yeah I was And actually, that's what a fast is.
0: I was actually reading, and they had talked years ago about taking a break from social media or taking a break from the Internet. And now they're saying... You can't do that anymore. Like, we've turned into a society that needs the Internet, specifically, but also, I think, needs social media. And then back to the whole point of having these interactions with people just almost sporadic and randomly. I mean, I get it. There's that moment where you see that other person, that other person sees you, and you have that recognition. Like, I see you. You're right there. And that was something that... As a long-haired man, I would experience that aspect of things, but not that whole next level. But then that whole next level brings it much more, I don't know, human and real. Because there, there's, <laughs> we we have a spot and we hang out in our spot. And if I go there, then I know the guys will be there and we hang out and, you know, we don't talk about anything in particular. We don't talk about nothing in particular. We just kind of just recognize each other. And then we all go off on our merry way. And it's very comforting to know I have that kind of a spot, a, what did you call it? A suds and.
2: (laughs) Suds and buds. Suds and buds. I love that. Yeah. And it's become like a. The people are still, some of us aren't working. My friend Archie's still working and he like literally craves it. Because mm-hmm. so much so much of his life is tied up with solving problems and doing the minutiae of working a job and right. stuff. But to me, it's about purpose. It's about why we're here. It's a reminder of why we're here. Mm-hmm. Um, right, yeah, because
0: we should all be here for one another.
2: Yeah, yeah. My friend Kevin Locke, who died in September, you know, when I went to Uvalde, suddenly it was, you know, I think, I don't know if I talked about him much. I think I may have a little bit. He's you a, did? When, a, when we
1: were having dinner, a, you talked to us about him.
2: He was a flute player, yeah. I've been having, he's been coming to me in dreams, you know. I would say I've been having dreams about him, but the kind of dreams that they are have been remarkable, In the dreams, he's kind of like showed me some things or told me some things. And in those dreams, I'm understanding a little bit about how he found his purpose. And the weird thing is I woke up in the middle of the night. This is the strangest thing the other night. And I did something I shouldn't do. I looked at my Facebook page and his wife had posted a link to his autobiography, which had been published a few years ago. And I randomly went to Amazon, hit the button. And it read the sample on there, and it was about his going up on a mountaintop to fast after he left college in South Dakota to try to understand what his purpose was in life. This elder guy instructed him what to do, how to build these fires and do all this stuff and sit there for days and fast and look for, wait for a vision of something to happen. And he was so disappointed at the end because he had no vision <laughs> of, of what, <laughs> what, what, what was going to happen. There was a moment in the dream where I'm sitting in a room with him after all these events have happened. And I'm saying, and I'm looking at him. He's kind of curled up on the couch, kind of resting. And, and I said, you're Kevin Locke, right? You, uh, in the real dream, I realized that you died and he and i realized at that moment he's sleeping and so i start to actually shake it start to literally grab him by the shoulders and shake him and he turns to me his eyes still shut and his mouth opens to like the size of the universe and i can see stars inside and um glowing in this cold black sky and Suddenly, I'm enveloped in like darkness, and all around me is this voice echoing, My friend, my friend, my friend, my friend. And then I woke up. When I looked at this excerpt from his book, there's a a voice of the elder saying, My friend, my friend. Uh, Wow. This was like weeks later, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a voice telling him how to burn the Stuff the right way and just sit there and to fast. But, but what I realized in that moment is that sense of loneliness disappearing. That sense of, because we're all alone, you know, uh, the old song, we, you got to walk that lonesome valley. You got to walk it by yourself. You know, ain't nobody else going to walk it for you. You got to walk it by yourself. Like Pete Seeger would sing that a lot, that song. Uh, we're all alone with death. We're all alone, but there's something that connects us in this world, and I believe in the next, that connects us together. That's what the prayer for Saint Francis means when it says, and by dying, we are born to eternal life. That the death of the ego is the death of that part of yourself that fears lettuce. Well, lettuce, the greenophobic part of yourself, uh, that, that fears that and goes, uh, Wait a minute, that's the same lettuce that was there last week when it was 399. That's mm-hmm. a beautiful head of lettuce. It's green you know and, and, and can actually see reality uh, and see truth. Um, and that is the, the great gift of dying before you die and be born again to eternal life. That's eternal life. So what's eternal in this world, but the moment, that's the only thing that's eternal. Right. Uh, everything else passes. Oh, that one's gone. Whoop, there goes another one. And, you know, everything else is, but, uh, eternal. It's like, it's so annoying when people say, the only thing certain in this world is uncertainty, you know?
0: I thought it was death and taxes, but okay. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but also, n- my heart attack was actually a joyful moment because of that, because I feared it so much mm-hmm. that when it happened, it was like, oh, good. Finally, it was just because my dad died of the exact same heart attack that I had the left anterior. They call it the widow maker because it's, it, it's the one where you don't feel anything. Mm. It's I, just kind of I got yeah.
0: you. I, I have to imagine I don't have to imagine having been there to myself, not a heart attack, but still.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, it's just, there's just such a sense of, of gratitude that you're still here. Right. There's just that sense of, Oh my goodness. I still get to enjoy. I still have the blessing of, and I'm going to take the moments such as they are. And, you know, find the things to enjoy inside of them.
2: You yeah. Know, it's, and it's, it's more than survival. It's more than that. It's, it's about, uh, it's really what you said. I am here. Yeah, I am. Yeah.
0: yeah and just realizing certainly things shifted for me a lot physically for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but then realizing maybe there was a new set of limitations but figuring out where those were, pushing against them, and still growing. And it's, it almost felt to me like it was a decision. I'm going to yeah. decide to be grateful and I'm going to decide to be growing. I am not going to choose to shrink and I am not going to choose to, you know, think about my life being measured out in years, months, or hours, or whatever. I'm just going to live. And I'm going to live in, in joy and in gratitude.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like, it's like one of those, when you go face a, a peril, whether it's financial or anything, you can be like Ulysses, you know, with the sirens, tie me to the mask, you know, it's <laughs> kind of like Point. with the sea. you know, there's a scene in Forrest Gump like that, where the, the guy who plays the guy that who's the amputee, Gary Sinus, character where they're out on the boat and they're the only boat that makes it through the storm so Mm -hmm. they become like the the but that sense of uh of just yeah it uh, suddenly your worst peril becomes this you're not this little mammal shivering in the dark you become your uh, controller of your own fate you know john Wooden. you know there's a lot of books He's a coach for UCLA. I don't know if you know about him. Basketball, right? Yeah. He's one of these guys they use in the business world to consult, to inspire people supposedly. But he said a few good things. One of them is if you wake up in the night in a panic, you can do two things. One is if there's nothing really wrong and you're just panicked – Get some milk and cookies and go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but if there's something truly wrong, make a cup of coffee and get a legal pad and start making notes and do something about it. You know. So he's really just trying to say there's, there's no point in being in this place of panic or fear. Take control of your life and whatever it is, take control of it. And oftentimes, if you do that... like. Like, how many people here, I'm pretending like I'm a seminar, like making calls when your internet goes out or complaining about products? Because this happened to me. I had a, a mystical experience with T-Mobile the other day. Uh, I could tell you about A
1: mystical? I want to hear it.
2: <laughs> you want to hear it? Well, well, we live in the country. And you know how whenever you call to get service, the person who answers. Sometimes they're in the Philippines. T Mobile, in this case, is in the Philippines. You can't really help you, right? Because you call a few times. So I said, Well, I'm going to, and I don't like, I, I don't think it's important or even ethically right to flip the bitch switch where you get mad at everybody just let me talk to your manager and, you know you know and that kind of thing and, <laughs> uh, and and people do that and my dad used to do that uh, sad and it, it was effective but I'd watch him do it and and I realized you have to do that to do it no you don't yeah so I did the opposite uh, this was my mystical experience I just showered T-Mobile with love <laughs> I said I love T-Mobile. It's like the best company. I've told all my friends about it. I'm your best customer. But they'll tell you that every time I call, they'd say, well, I want to thank you for being our customer for eight years. And we are very appreciative of all that. Well, oh, thank you. I agree. I love you guys. You're just terrific. Can I talk to you the next guy up so he can give me like what I need to keep going with T-Mobile? Because the reality is... I'm just about to switch to Starlink, which is this Elon Musk company where Mm -hmm. you can get possibly better internet for less phone calls, having to make phone calls all the time. So the problem was they have 5G in our area, but they limit it to 100 gigabytes. And after 100 gigabytes, it goes back to 2G. Mm. Not 4G, 3G, but 2G. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Basically, you have a brick now sitting on your table. So... I got to the second manager and the second manager told him how much I loved him. and it wasn't disingenuous. That's the thing. It was truthful. I was trying to create community with T-Mobile just the way in a cynical way they are when they're being scripted to say, oh, Matt, I see here you've been a customer of ours for eight years. I'm very thankful. And you're on the auto pay system, which means that we don't have to bug you to get paid and saves us money. All that stuff. So we got to the second guy. And the second guy, by that point, I said, well, I'd like to have at least two months' debt payment, which would be like $600 in compensation for the time I've lost not being able to use the internet. And also, if you can only give me 300 gigabytes of data, I want that so I can continue to do business this month and next month. And f- try to figure out whether I need Starlink or not, whether I can go with you guys, because I really want to go with you guys. I don't like you guys. I don't like Elon Musk that much, you know. I'd right. like to stay with you, you know. So then he said, "Well, I can get you to my manager." I said, "Okay." So then I get to the third manager, and I think this guy probably will be in Chicago or something. But he was still in the Philippines, and he said, "Well, I'll go to a room, and see." what I can do for you with the internet he went to the room and he said wait a minute I see a a button here where I can give you unlimited 5G and I said could you push that for me there you go (laughs) push that button (laughs) I just did you have now unlimited we'll beta test it you'll be like a beta tester in our area but the reality is I felt good about that not because I got what I wanted the transaction about it but the I got what I wanted and didn't lose a part of my soul. Um,
0: That's heavy. Uh,
2: yeah. Right. I have an idea of a cartoon. I've never. I, I, I've only imagined it. I can see it. And, but it's a guy, it's one of those St. Peter cartoons where it says, where St. Peter says, I know you went to church every week, but how did you treat telemarketers?
1: <laughs>
3: right.
2: Yeah. And David... David Barry says, uh, Dave Barry, the humorist, he wrote, he says, people who are nice to you, but not nice to the waiter are not nice people. Right. I think that that's kind of what it's about.
0: We've, We've talked about, we talked about that recently. Yeah. I remember one of the particularly impressive things about one of my managers was not that he was a great guy and super swell to me, but that he knew the name of the guy who emptied the trash cans on our floor. And that impressed me more than anything else he could have done. Period. Yeah. Y- you know. I mean, yeah, just to get religious for a second, didn't doesn't it say somewhere in that big thick book, I am there in the small and you know, when you're when you're not nice, yeah, the words the effect of if when you're not nice to anyone, you're being not nice to me.
1: That's right. It's pretty acknowledging someone's existence when they're bringing you water, looking at them connecting with our eyes and saying thank you mm-hmm. instead yeah. of you know like what? what do You uh, you me? just
0: reminded me of the curtsying waitress.
1: Oh, <laughs> she was amazing. <laughs> we always say thank you and we became friends with someone who worked at this place we would go to once in a while to eat and every time we say thank you she curtsies. And <laughs> but so we she said ended it up all curtsying time, like a like thousand pa- times. <laughs> So
0: for one meal, and we, we
1: didn't do it on purpose for her to curtsy. We just always say thank you, you know, and also <laughs> another thing that we do that I was taught in India was to always say, have a beautiful every day, have a good every day. And it was because we, I was in the Himalayas and I'm sorry, I've told this story before on our podcast, but the Swami that we worked with. And I said to him, well, he did something every day for me. And I always said, thank you. And then I, when we had to go, like he had to go over there and I had to go over here, I would say, have a nice day. He would get so like, he would stop me, come back and go, don't you ever say that to someone <laughs> because you're condemning <laughs> them to only one day of good. You say, have a good every day. And not every day is one word, but like every. And then space, day, because every day means monotonous, you know, but every single day. And I say that everywhere we go. And that's how we taught our kids to be, to say, have a nice every day. And it takes people a few times to understand what is happening. And we're so conditioned to say it the other way. Mm hmm. That like I've known these people at this particular grocery store for almost a year now. And I'll always say, have a nice every day. Have a beautiful every day. And now they're finally starting to catch on. And with some people, it's like, oh, my God, you're right. Every day, have a beautiful every day. And we'll scream at each other because it's, it's kind of funny that we don't do that.
2: Yeah, it's like you've supersized the have a nice day.
1: And it should be the normal size.
2: Have a nice eternity. (laughs) I like that. I like that.
1: Thank you, Barry, for joining us. Thank you, Barry. Is there anything else you all wanted to say? Did I cut you all off? Because I know Barry has to go.
0: (laughs) Right. I completely get it. Absolutely. I think focus on focus on the good.
2: Focus on the good, and the panic is optional. You know, I think that's the key is it, it, it sounds trivial to say that because when you're in a mode of panic, it doesn't feel that way. And but your feelings oftentimes are a feedback loop from the past, isn't So deep breaths, whatever it is you can do to look that lettuce straight in the eye, <laughs> in the head, whatever it is.
1: <laughs> really what you told me that day? A few days ago, Barry, was you were basically saying once you have some experience, you learn to not panic, much like that guy on the plane, right, the the, mm-hmm. the martial artist guy. But, like, you said something like it's when you don't have experience, you realize how stupid you were to panic about stuff or to worry about stupid stuff. Um, you were stupid. Well, I remember.
2: <laughs> I'll leave you with this image. Uh, in my career, once I was flying high on a, in a continental little jet above uh, Marquette, Michigan, with the entire Austrian luge team on the plane. Wow. And and the plane was, like, in this incredible turbulence. The thing was, like, heaving. And they'd go, yay! They were, like, <laughs> they were cheering. These are people that strap themselves to a cafeteria tray and go, like, 80 miles an hour down. So they, their whole view of the whole thing was, this is cool.
3: Wow.
1: <laughs>
2: and, and, and I remember going, after a while, I was going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: is great. <laughs> nice. So,
2: Isn't that funny? Time, like, me to the All right, guys. I'll see you later. See
1: you later, Barry. We love you. And everyone, love thanks for too. listening. Everyone, please go check out Barry Lane. We have the links to Barry. Love you, Benri. We love you all. Bye. Thank you for listening. Be well. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.